Hey guys, this is Josh Barnett with the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. I'm one of the pastors here at CM Church. This past Sunday, I got to preach on Pentecost Sunday, the types and shadows of what that looks like in the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament, it is a festival where we celebrate Moses coming off of Mount Sinai with the law, with the word of the Lord. And then what it looks like in the New Testament, what we celebrate today is it's Jesus sending the Holy Spirit from heaven to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and how it's the key to living in the kingdom of God. So I hope this message blesses you today. I hope it encourages you. And I'm praying that you experience and encounter the Holy Spirit in your life. God bless. Well, today is uh, Pentecost Sunday. If you don't know, and I'm going to preach on Pentecost Sunday today. I'm excited. Pentecost, uh, the word means 50th. That's what it means. It's 50th. It's 50 days after Passover. And it's the time that, the, that God poured his Holy Spirit out. Uh, in the upper room. So we're going to look at this today. Turn to Acts chapter, we're going to start in chapter one, because I believe that, that this is, we, our vision this year is the kingdom of God. And we cannot, we're not going to see the kingdom of God if we don't have Acts chapter one and chapter two down, if we don't understand um, what took place or what's happened. Acts chapter one, let's look in verse one. He says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways he was actually alive and he taught them everything about the kingdom of God. Now that verse right there is our vision verse for the year. That's the verse that, that slapped him in the face when he was praying about what we were going to do or what, what vision we were supposed to, to seek out and, and, uh, and build on this year. And it was the kingdom of God. And this is the one where Tim, said, where Tim looked and saw he, Jesus rose from the dead. He's resurrected. He spends 40 days with the disciples doing what? Teaching them about the kingdom of God. And I love... When you go into verse four and five here, he says, once they were eating with him and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, so this kingdom of God that he's teaching them about, but you're going to tell everybody about this, but before you do, you go to Jerusalem and wait. You wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. John baptized you in water. You're going to be baptized in a few days with the Holy Spirit. So don't do anything with this kingdom until the Father sends the gift, not a gift, the gift that is promised. If you'll remember in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus was teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit and he said, it is to your advantage that I go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come because I'm going to go, the Father is going to give me the Holy Spirit to send to you. And it's, which is wild because you think, well, like, no, Jesus, like, I need you here right next to me. You know, the disciples are thinking like, wait, you're going to leave? Like, think about how confident you would be if you had Jesus walking right next to you everywhere that you went. 
And Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I'm no longer beside you because he doesn't want to just be next to us. He wants to be in us. That's the key there. And we cannot experience, live in, walk in, build the kingdom of God apart from the Holy Spirit. Christianity is not Christianity apart from the Holy Spirit. A church without the Holy Spirit is an emasculated church. It's a church with no power and no love. It's a church that would, can only live under the law. And Paul said the letter of the law kills, but the spirit of the law gives life. And so we cannot do this thing without the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the Holy Spirit coming to live on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is heaven on earth. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy and the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God, heaven on earth is life in the Holy Ghost, life in the Holy Ghost. And so if you're failing to walk in, to live out, to experience some of these things that we've been this whole year, we've been teaching on the kingdom of God. It's because you need the Holy Spirit to do it. You can't walk in these things in your own flesh. I mean, my goodness, you read Galatians chapter five, verse 22, the fruit of the spirit. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit. I can't have patience without the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't have self-control without the Holy Spirit. Come on. And I also can't heal anyone without the Holy Spirit. We're not going to see miracles and freedom and power without the Holy Spirit. The church is meant to live out the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit of the Spirit. That's the, the whole point here. So don't you go anywhere, guys, until you have received the Holy Spirit. Christianity is not meant to be lived apart from the Holy Spirit. Now go to Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, verse 1 says, on the day of Pentecost. Let's, let's pause right there. On the day of Pentecost. So Jesus was with them 40 days. When, when he resurrected, that was Passover, 40 days. Then he goes to heaven. Pentecost is day 50. Pentecost is 50th day. Pentecost is this celebration. It's a, it's a festival. It's a feast that the Jews celebrate every single year. This is 50 days after the resurrection of Christ when God decides to send his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to nerd out on you just for a minute. So hang with me. I'm going to talk a little bit about what this means and what we get from the Old Testament. Pentecost is not something new. It's not New Testament. Pentecost was celebrated from the Old Testament. It's a festival. So thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews have come into Jerusalem to celebrate. What are they celebrating? They're celebrating 50 days after Passover when, when they were in Egypt and they did the Passover lamb and they rubbed the blood on the doorpost and they left Egypt. 50 days after that, Moses came down from Mount Sinai to give Israel the law. That's what they're celebrating. They were celebrating the word of the Lord coming to the people. What are we celebrating on Pentecost? We're celebrating the word of the Lord coming to the people. We're celebrating the Holy Spirit coming to the people. Now in Passover, they celebrated it, celebrated it with unleavened bread. Blech. Just get you one of these communion crackers down here. Unleavened bread's like styrofoam. It's gross. They celebrate with unleavened bread. It, it signified their haste in leaving uh, and it also, it also symbolizes the old covenant, but in Pentecost, they celebrated with leavened bread. Come on. Also, also in Passover at Pentecost was the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. If you've ever had barley, wheat's way better. 
Way better, right? You know what else is way better? The church with the Holy Ghost. The barley represents the old covenant. The wheat represents the new covenant. Listen, unleavened bread represents you before Jesus, before the Holy Ghost, and leavened bread represents you after Jesus. Jesus turned water into wine in John chapter 2. He takes something ordinary and turns it into something extraordinary through the power of the Holy Ghost. He wants to do the same thing in your life. Come on, let's go. Listen, before the Holy Ghost, you are, you are a wick on a candle. When the Holy Ghost comes, he lights you on fire. Come on. That's what the glory of God does is it lights you on fire. So that is what's going on in Pentecost. Pentecost in the Old Testament was the day the law of Moses was given. Pentecost in the New Testament is the day the spirit of grace was given. Something else really cool. When Moses comes off of Mount Sinai, what are the pe uh, people of Israel doing? Worshiping a golden calf, right? And so Moses comes down and he gets angry and he calls the, he calls the, the Levites, to, anyone who's on the side of the Lord, come to me. And the Levites come and he says, wet your swords run through the camp. 3,000 people get slain. 3,000 people got slain because they rebelled against the word of the Lord. You go to Pentecost in the New Testament. The Holy, Jesus, okay, Moses went to Mount Sinai. Jesus went to the throne. Moses came back down off Mount Sinai. Jesus went to the throne and sent the Holy Spirit down to us. Peter stands up and preaches a sermon and it says the hearts of the people were cut. And they said, what do we do? They responded. They didn't rebel against the word of the Lord. They responded. And how many people got saved? Whatever gets taken from the Lord, he always gets back. Come on. Amen. Can we pray that over our families today? Come on. <laughs> Pentecost in the Old Testament was the birth of Israel. Pentecost in the New Testament is the birth of the church. Come on. <laughs> This was the time that God decides to pour out his spirit on the earth into his people. God's presence in the Old Testament always filled a tabernacle or a temple, but because of the blood of Jesus in the New Testament Pentecost, his people now have been made a holy temple that he fills with his Holy Spirit. If you heard a gospel that ended with the resurrection of Jesus, you didn't hear the full gospel. The gospel ends at Pentecost. If you don't get to Pentecost, you don't got the full gospel because Jesus said, I'm sending the promise from the father, the promise from the father. Bethlehem was God with us. Calvary was God for us. Pentecost is God in us. Yeah, buddy. All right, let's move on. <laughs> on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place or so many translations say they were all in one accord. Let's pause again. They were all in one accord. What, what that means, if you break down what the Greek there that Luke said is that they were not one accord meant, meant basically that they were consumed with passion over one thing. They were consumed with passion over one thing. What was that one thing they were consumed with passion over? Jesus Christ. I want you to understand you will not experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit unless you behold him, unless you become consumed with one passion over him. And I want you to see here that they were all gathered. Let us not forsake the gathering, the assembling of one with another. I was talking to Lucas backstage. He just got back from, from vacation and we we're like, why are you still here? And he's like, I can't miss a Sunday morning. And I was like, man, I feel the same way. When I'm not here, I, I, I get FOMO. Fear of missing out. If you're not a millennial. Gen Zers are like, that's dumb. We don't say that anymore. It's okay. I'm not a Gen Z. I'm a millennial. So God bless you. 
But I, 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 am, I'm, I never want to miss a Sunday or a Wednesday because I know that the family of God is gathering and I can't wait to see what he does. I can't wait to see who gets healed. I can't wait to see who experiences freedom. What if we all came in like that every Sunday and Wednesday? Excited about what God was going to do. Come on. A church isn't going to come in with high expectations if they have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. If they have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, there's not going to be that expectation. But we come in and we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on. This is what saved me. Apologetics didn't save me. What marked my heart for the rest of my life is when I was 11 years old at youth camp and I came down and a man named Nick Keith laid hands on me and he prayed in a funny language. And it felt like warm honey got poured all over my body. And without being coached, tongues of fire began to come out of my mouth. And I might have run away from the house for a couple of years, but I always knew that God was real. Not because I read about him, but because I experienced him. Come on. If your relationship with God is void of experience, you may not have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with doctrine. And I'm all for right doctrine. We worship God in spirit and truth. But it's spirit and truth. It's both. It's both. It's both. They were all in one accord. There was a singular focus. They were united one, with one passion. Go and wait. Sit and be obsessed. Tarry here. This is what the King James says. Tarry until the Holy Spirit comes. And listen, some of you are like, well, man, I, you know, I never experienced it. Tarry here. Yes. Yes. Come on. Yes. You hang out with me long enough, you'll start speaking in tongues. Yes. Yes. I want to speak in tongues. Well, hang out with people that pray in the Spirit. Yes. It'll happen. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. There was a sound that filled the house where they were sitting. A mighty windstorm. All through scripture, we see the Holy Spirit is referenced to breath, to wind. And from Genesis chapter one, the spirit hovered over the waters. The wind hovered over the waters that was formless and without void until the word of God met the spirit of God. The spirit and truth touched the waters and it created everything. Come on. The word of God creates the work. Even, even the Old Testament, when the, when the law came from Moses, it created something. It created a nation set apart unto itself. As the word, as the breath of God comes into the church, it creates a kingdom. It creates a kingdom. God's word has creative power. His breath, Genesis 2, 7, he breathed life into the nostrils of man. That song we were singing, that Kennedy was up here doing her high knees. Lucas was shaking that hair. Wish I had hair to shake. I know Jason really does. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we return. The breath that you gave. The breath that you gave. He breathed life into us. And listen, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is God breathing on you again. Right here, we see God breathing on his church. Ezekiel chapter 37, the Spirit of God was a breath and wind that blew over the dry bones of Israel. Man. I love this, the sound, the sound, the sound. When you go down to, if you go down to um, verse six, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. When they heard the loud noise, when they heard the sound, when they heard the wind of God, when they came running. When they heard the wind of God, they came running. When they heard the sound, they came running. 
There's a sound that is coming out of this place that is drawing people here. It's, and it's a supernatural sound. It's a supernatural frequency. It's not because we have the coolest social media, the coolest videos, the coolest marketing strategies, the coolest billboards. It's a sound that comes out. There was a sound that came out of the mouth of Hedy Lou Brooks. There was a sound that comes out of Pastor Tim. There's a sound that comes, and listen, a lot of people run away from that sound, but they always come back because it's the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. And when that word, when that sound goes forth, a seed is sown and it doesn't return void. There's a sound. There's a sound. Come on. Lucas, there's a sound. I don't know where Lucas is, but he's our worship leader. There's a sound. There's something happening in our worship team where a sound, a frequency touches the hearts of people. And it like, have you ever been in a room where the presence of God during worship or, or even while somebody's speaking, you're like, I don't know why my heart is shaking. It's a sound, it's a frequency, it's the word of the Lord it's causing something on the inside of me to shake. You go to Acts chapter four, Peter and the, and the disciples are praying and it says the earth begin to shake underneath him. Come on. And listen, go back to the unity part. I know that that, that the secret, there's the key is the secret place. The key is your private devotion, your relationship with the Lord, and you will experience him there like you don't experience him anywhere else. But something happens when people are going into the secret place and they're coming out and they're meeting together. The spirit multiplies. It amplifies when people come together. One can put a thousand to flight, but two put 10,000 to flight. And so when you're not, where two or more are gathered, I am there among them. So something happens when the people of God come together, the, the presence and the glory of God begins to multiply and supernatural things begin to take place. Supernatural things begin to happen, begin to manifest. And man, I, man, I, if you come in, you're like, man, I don't ever feel anything during worship. I don't ever feel anything during the word. I don't ever, I, man, I'm not, I've never experienced anything like what you're, I want to tell you, get in the secret place. Get in the secret place every single day and then come back and see what happens. Come on. There's a sound. Then what looked like flame or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Flames or tongue of fire appeared and settled on each of them. We also see through scripture that fire always, like fire always comes with the presence of God. It's either breath, it's wind, or it's fire. Here we have both. In the Old Testament, whenever they made the tabernacle ready, whenever they made the temple ready, whenever they brought the sacrifices in, when God looked on it and it pleased him, he sent fire down from heaven to consume it. The same thing happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He sends fire down from heaven to consume you. It purifies you. There's two things that happen when the fire of God hits you. He's coming to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and in fire. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and that fire of God hits you, it begins to purify you. It begins to get rid everything out of you that is not of him. Come on. If you're struggling with something, you might need a fresh Pentecost. You might need a fresh baptism. I'm not saying that you're not saved, but you might need a fresh touch from the Lord today. Come on today. The other thing that that fire represents is passion, boldness, courage, Come on, look at Peter before the Holy Ghost and look at Peter after the Holy Ghost. I mean, foot and mouth guy all the time, right? He had passion, but it needed to be consumed by the, by the Holy Spirit. 
Then he gets to a place where he shuts up and he denies the Lord and runs away, right? And now he's in Jerusalem, he's in the upper room and he's preaching in front of people that called for Christ to be crucified. What happened? He's healing the lame man at the beautiful gate. What happened? He got hit with the fire of God. There was a boldness and a passion and a love that came from Peter and it purified his ambitions and his dreams and his motives. That fire hit Peter and that fire is still available today. The fire of God is passion, purity, power. It's boldness, obedience, courage, sanctification, signs and wonders, power. Wait for my power. And I love that it doesn't just come on one thing. It says that it settles on all of them. So in the Old Testament, it settled on sacrifices, but now Romans 12, 1, we are living sacrifices. Well, I don't ever feel the fire of God. Make yourself a living sacrifice. Yeah. Right? Well, how do I do that? Let me ask you this question. What is one thing that you know in your life that you need to give up to get closer to the Lord? What is one thing that you need to give up, that you need to lay down in order to get close to the Lord? I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're working your way into salvation. But if you want intimacy with God, there's got to be exchange. And so right now, as you're thinking that question, what's one thing that I need to lay down? I know if I lay down that down, I'll get closer to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He, see, the Holy Spirit is a, he's a convictor. He convicts us of our sin. He convicts us into righteousness. It settles on each one of them. It settles on each one of them. You know, when the high priest used to go into the Holy of Holies, he would have to take off his outer garments that was all bedazzled. I don't know how else to say it. It was all bedazzled. And, uh, all the gems and everything on it. And it was just his, he had to come with just his underwear, basically. But it was under, it was a, he was covered, it was undergarments. And he had to take, it's like, you know, when we come to the presence of the Lord, we have to lay all the things that we put on on the outside down and come into the presence of God. Or, or we come into the presence of God and he begins to do that for us. He begins to strip us. And so we come into his presence. But, but when he did that, he would come into the Holy of Holies and he would, he would have to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. When he did that, the, the priest the other, and, and, and people in the, the next court, they would have to listen because he had bells on his outfit. Because if the bell stopped ringing for too long, they, and they would tie a rope around his ankles, if the bell stopped ringing too long, they would have to pull him out because the holiness of God killed him because he had sin in his life. And so he would take this off and they would have to wait because he would go sprinkle it and then he would go and whenever they heard him putting his stuff back on, they would hear the sound and go, oh, we've been forgiven. Jesus went to the mercy seat and sprinkled the blood and told the disciples, go wait until you hear that sound. Come on. <laughs> that sound. Wait here. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave this Gave them this ability. Wait for my power. Wait. And, and, and he's saying like, wait for my power because if you don't get my power, you'll just be talking about things that I did instead of things that I've called you to do. Because it was from this point where the disciples, greater works I did, greater works you'll do. Great works I did, but greater works you'll, you'll do. 
Mm. Wait, Terry here, sit and wait. You'll be endowed with power on high. A.W. Tozer once said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. He said, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Here's what I want you to know today. You don't need a book on miracles. You don't need the latest leadership podcast. You don't need the latest book from the Christian bookstore. You don't need to go to the latest, the newest prophetic conference with all the latest speakers so they can lay hands on you and impart something to you. I'm fine with all of that, but you don't need those things. You need the Holy Ghost. You don't need those things. You need the Holy Spirit. I'm for all those things. Listen to the podcast, get the book, go to the conference, have God's man of power for the hour, lay hands on you and give you something, but you need the Holy Ghost that only Jesus can give you. That only Jesus can give you. The Holy Spirit draws the heart of man unto Christ. He baptizes us in the blood. Disciples take us and they baptize us in the water. Jesus takes us and he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. You need boldness and power that only comes from the Holy Spirit. We can't have theory and not have power. We can't have concepts and not boldness. And I refuse to settle for an expression of Christianity that doesn't reflect what we read in this book. We don't lower our standards to what we've experienced. We raise our standards to what the word of God says is available today. And it's still available today. It's still available today. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at verse 39. Peter Peter gets up. He preaches the sermon. He lets them know. Verse 39, he says, This promise is to you and to your children. And even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the name of the Lord. Some translations say for those who have yet to be born. So this Pentecost doesn't stop. It continues. All of this is still available today. It began in Acts 2. And it's still being fulfilled today. The outpouring they received in verse 2 happens again in verse... uh, In in, in chapter 2 happens again in chapter 4, chapter 10, chapter 8, chapter 19... It happens all through the book of Acts, and it's been happening throughout history, even until this day. And it's a, it's, a, it's a continual refilling. It continually happens. Now, you may have one powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit experience, but I want you to know that we are to stay constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does he say wine? Because people who get drunk on wine or anything don't stay drunk unless they keep drinking. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, but there's a difference in the Holy Spirit living in you and you being filled to overflowing with him. So the Holy Spirit's in you, but you don't stay full of him unless you keep drinking. John chapter seven, Jesus stands up on the last day of the festival and he says, all who are thirsty, come to me. And I will give you drink. I will give you rivers of living water that will burst forth from your belly, that will produce everlasting life. See, you were created to make a mess with the Holy Ghost. You were created to splash around everywhere. You were created to be a city on a hill. But so oftentimes we treat our Christian life like we got to get filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. You stay under the stream. You stay under the stream. 
You stay under the waterfall of the Holy Spirit. You go into that secret place. You spend time with him. You commune with him every day. And that begins to pour out on you everywhere that you go. Come on. And some of you are looking at me like, I don't know about that. It was because you haven't done it. It's because you haven't tried it. Bill Johnson says that, wor- that true evangelism is when worship breaks out of the secret place. It's because I go in and I see him and I can't help but talk about him when I leave. Come on. This is good. (laughs) The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, it's not some extra token to some people who really want to pursue Jesus. It's for every believer. It's foundational to the gospel of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the father. The father has a desire to baptize you. He has a desire for you to experience him. The father wasn't finished at the resurrection. He wasn't finished at the resurrection. It came to completion at Pentecost. Jesus didn't want his disciples and go out, fulfill the great commission until after they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is an immersion into the presence of God that endows you with power on high and enables you, listen, to live in the kingdom. It enables you to walk like, talk like, act like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. It is to your advantage that I go. See, I cannot become more like Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might or by power, but by his spirit. No out, and listen, no outward teaching can compare to the inward power of the spirit. Jesus' death on the cross was awesome, but it wasn't the end of God's plan. The church was born through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God here on earth, and without him, we are the disciples before Pentecost. Sincere, but struggling. God didn't... God, God didn't create you for you to get your brains kicked in for the rest of your life. He, he actually, he, he created you. He wants you to thrive, not survive. Will we experience persecution? Yeah, read the book of Acts. They experienced a lot of persecution, but it seemed to be like having the time of their life. And, and listen, our, pers- our definition of persecution is silly. When they talked bad about me on Facebook. When they called our church a cult. Boo-hoo. These dudes got pulled apart by horses. (laughs) Come on. Word hurt. Their words hurt me. We got to get tough. And listen, if you are constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit, those words don't hurt so much. Because you're not looking, the fear of man leaves when you live in the fear of God. (laughs) Come on. He wants to baptize us. Christianity is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. Christianity is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is heaven on earth. Listen, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wouldn't tell us to pray it if he didn't mean we couldn't live in it. It's, and listen, it's so funny because a lot of times we think that all the good stuff is waiting for us after we die. And then we try to live as long as possible. Listen, there's going to be awesome things after we die. There's going to be awesome things in the new heavens and new earth, but there's awesome things right now. There's awesome things right now. There's awesome things right now. When, I, when I'm down there and my little buddy Judah, 
when he was up here praying last Sunday, when I was down there, he said, Dad, your sermon's going to be powerful today. Don't tell me that's not heaven. Don't tell me. I remember when Judah was three years old, he was on his knees in my living room going, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Don't tell me that's not heaven. Went on a date with my wife a couple weeks ago, and we had the best time, man. Mainly because she's awesome, not me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Man, I look at my marriage now and like, don't tell me that's not heaven. You're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost today. And oftentimes we get caught up on like what we've done in our past or what the sins that we've committed. But I want you to know when the father's looking for people to baptize in the Holy Ghost, he's looking at you with the righteousness of God or the, his righteousness. You are as righteous as he is. Oh, goodness. I was talking to uh, my buddy, Matt. Um, we were talking, they, uh, they just uh, bought a new van. Glory. Um, <laughs> But we were talking about vehicles and it made me think about like whenever you go look at a vehicle, you always want to see the Carfax. You always want to see the miles, the damage, the history. Have that, did the last person take care of it? And, and I think oftentimes we think that's how God comes to us. I want to see that. I've got to see the history report. I've got to see the test paper. I've got to see how you've done up to this point. But there's no record. There's no record. You've been washed clean. The blood of Jesus makes you worthy, not your actions, not your behavior. The blood of Jesus, it was makes you worthy to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on. And listen, a lot of times people get caught up on, you know, we want to nitpick verses here and there and, and, and we can argue about, you know, theology all day. I'm usually right, but it's okay. Um, but people get that, you know, a lot of times we get caught up on the tongues thing. We're tongues church. We believe in speaking in tongues because the Bible never says that it passed away. Verse 39, it's still for today. And, and now listen, if you run up here and grab a microphone and start screaming in tongues, we're probably going to rebuke you. Because <laughs> you don't give a word in tongues without an interpretation. There's parameters around this. But there is a prayer language that's available to every believer. There is a prayer language. Jude 20 says, pray in the spirit of all times to stir up your most holy faith. First uh, Corinthians 14, 5, Paul says, um, Paul says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. I wish all of you prayed in the spirit. He said, I pray in the spirit because it makes my mind unfruitful, but I also pray in words because it makes my mind fruitful. They're both important. But, <laughs> and, and we can nitpick over this, but I, I want you to understand, praying in the spirit has helped me. Romans chapter eight, verses 26, 27, 28, talk about how there are things that we need to pray that, that, we, that, can't, be, that can't be said in words, that groanings and utterances must take place to line my spirit up with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that, that praying in the spirit has helped, helped me overcome more lust and more anger. It's given me more patience and more self-control and helped me love people that I hate because it lines my spirit up with the Holy Spirit. And if I, listen, if I have a gift that I believe is for every believer and I don't tell you about it because you'll think I'm weird, what does that make me? A coward? A liar, a thief. Like God's God's got this inheritance for everybody, but I'm not going to tell you. I don't want you to have access to it because I'm worried about my reputation. And listen, just play through Christianity what you actually believe. 
You're talking about weird. We're all weird. We're peculiar people. Peter's words, not mine. Right? So, so you believe that there was a God who's one but three, but one but three, but one but three, and he, and he existed before anything else did without time? What was he doing? Just like hanging out? And then he created a world. Why did he do that? And a bunch of angels that sing holy, holy, holy. Like what, what in the, and then he created a man and a woman and made them naked and put them in a garden. And a snake talked to him. Right? And because they ate a fruit, they doomed all of mankind. But that God sent his son, who is actually God, but his son, but God, but his son, came from heaven, lived a completely perfect life, died on a cross, and three days later, he got up from the dead and also raised other people from the dead and performed a lot of miracles. And then he ascended in a cloud to heaven. And one day he's coming back on a white horse. That's what you believe. Yes. Okay, par- okay partner. <laughs> right? Like, we believe some weird stuff. Speaking in tongues is not that weird compared to a lot of things that we, we-, that we believe. My goodness. Can we be okay with weird? This book is weird. It's full of weird stuff. Listen, we're not chasing emotionalism or sensationalism, but there's a lot more than just intellect. Man, I hope that your relationship with your spouse is not based on pure facts and intellect. I hope there's some emotion involved. He is the God of emotion. He actually wants to use those things. Come on. Worship, uh, Brandon, Lucas, I want to end. I want to end with some worship today. I believe that, that a lot of people in this room, they need, a, they need a fresh Pentecost. They need a fresh baptism or a first baptism. Yes. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Whoa. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Jesus said, if your father, your earthly fathers who give good gifts to your children, will not your heavenly father give you more of the gift, more of the Holy Spirit, if you ask him? You have not because you ask not. When, I, when we enter into moments like this, a lot of the, I would say the two biggest blockers are number one is you have questions about the way that God feels about you. You have questions about your righteousness. You think that God is angry, frustrated, unsatisfied with you. But I want you to know if you make yourself a living sacrifice, when, when the people ask Paul, what do we do? He said, repent, turn to him and watch what he can do. Turn to him and watch what he can do. The second thing I think that gets in our way is this right here. And, I, and listen, I believe that we should love God with all of our minds, for sure. But we live in a very over-intellectualized culture and society. And oftentimes what God wants to do in here, we keep him out right here. And so we feel like we have to nitpick and figure out and go through every, you know... And I'm all about rightly dividing the word. I think, that's, I think we absolutely need to do that. But you've got to let your heart take you in a place that sometimes your mind can't understand. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.